come the Kings back on side. Brown down the wall, shoots it off the bar and in. Dustin Brown gets the Kings on the board. You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Kings. One last try. Kopitar moving in. He scores! Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. My name is Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. If this is going to be the bounce back season we all want it to be, you couldn't script a better opening week. Two wins in two games, goals from up and down the lineup, and only one goal allowed. I suppose the only nitpick is that the power play didn't score. But hey, uh, the penalty kill is perfect, and there's still 80 games left for them to work out this new 4-forward 1-D configuration that they're showing. Uh, It is Monday morning, so we have a brand new pod for you. Never miss an episode by subscribing now. Subscription links and recent episodes can be found at lakings.com slash podcast. Joining me now, the Royal Half. How are you doing today, the Half? I'm doing really well, Jesse, and I, I, I can't tell if this is the new look LA Kings or the same old San Jose Sharks. <laughs> yes, yes, I, I tweeted out that joke, but I thought, you know. There's there's a high percentage of people that listen to this podcast that don't follow me on Twitter. So. Well, I was gonna I was gonna say shark bite womp womp, uh, but uh, look. Okay, uh, first of all, it's shark chomp womp womp, not shark bite. But it, isn't the, the right. isn't the chant shark bite chomp chomp or chomp no. chomp? I don't know. Whatever. Shark chomp. Whatever. We're not sharks fans. This ain't this ain't all the sharks men. Uh, the Kings are two and zero for the first time since two thousand and two two thousand and three. The half. And uh, I dug up what some... a year that was, huh? What? what a what what a great comparison to make to uh, to a previous LA Kings uh, team. Well, I went ahead and dug up some notes about the 2002-2003 season for for people who may not remember or may not have been Kings fans at the time. Are you referring to Alex Furloff's rookie season? Not only that, Michael Camilleri's rookie season. Never heard of him. Yeah, a little little guy named Mike Camilleri. Uh, notable uh, moments from that season. The Gretzky statue was erected uh, in 2002 at the beginning of that season. So was that the the year they retired his jersey? That is, in fact, the year that uh, they finally retired his jersey. But uh, do you remember? The- do, you, do you have time for a quick story? Yeah, sure. So I was actually working in Austin, Texas. At that, so um, have season ticket holder buddy and I. The year prior to that was the first year, I believe, or we got our season seats. Mm-hmm. Or maybe that was the first year we got our season seats. We were trying to figure it out the other night. And half season seats. And uh, I I was working in in Austin for a few months, and I flew back that morning and went to the retirement ceremony. And I think I flew back to Austin the night after because I wanted to be there so badly. Well, it was a great night. Uh, However, uh, the following uh, 10 years, (laughs) well, I guess uh, eight years would not be so great because that was the first season uh, that they missed the playoffs for eight years in a row. The quote unquote Gretzky curse. Yes, exactly. And that's why I uh, alluded so that, to that. Okay, that's some that, that that solidifies it because we I, I really we really were trying to have this conversation after the um the home opener. And so two thousand two, two thousand three was the first season that I had my full half season season season. So there you go. Sense. Big year in King's history. Uh for those who are not aware, there was... So, this is this year is 2017. Okay, so 2002. Mm-hmm. So, 2017. Okay, so let's take away 10. That gets us to 2007, right? Yeah. And if we take away five more, 2002. So, 15 years. 15. Yep. I should be wearing a patch, Jesse. You should. 
<laughs> 15 years of, of TRH and HSTHB. Uh, there was a thing called the Curse of the Gretzky Statue, for those who are not aware. And uh, there was an argument amongst the fandom for a few seasons over whether the curse stemmed from the erection of the Gretzky statue or the fact that they switched uh, the jerseys. Uh, you'll remember the half they used to have a shield on the front of the jersey. Uh, but in 2002, 2003, they changed it to a crown on the front of the jersey. And the theory was that the shield somehow protected the players from injury and that when they removed the shield, uh, 2002-3 was also the last season that Jason Allison played for the Kings and that Adam Deadmarsh played for the Kings, both 27 years old and uh, careers shortened by injury. Here, here's what I love about Jesse. in a Kings jersey. Jesse reports this stuff as it's fact. Jesse is like, <laughs> like, as we all know, the shield once protected the LA Kings from injury. I'm just reporting what the fans fought about for five you're years. You're, you're reporting what was featured on Let'sGoKings.com for five years is what you're reporting. Hey, that was that was Twitter for Kings fans for, for a long time. Uh, <laughs> as I said, last time Denmark and Allison would play for the Kings, uh, Mike Gamler's rookie season. Do you know who led the team in, in scoring that year? Ziggy. That's cor- that is absolutely correct. Uh, 80, 85 points in 76 games. Do you know who was second in scoring on that team? Uh, I believe it was our friend and uh, religious brother, Matthew Schneider. That's correct. Do you remember? But wasn't there? I, I, I remember there was like something like a 30 or 40 point drop off between Palfi and him. Uh, is, that, is that right? 42 points. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, still got it, baby. Yeah. And then after that, Smolinski, uh, Modry, and Armstrong all tied for third with 38 points. That was not a good team. Well, I'm glad that everyone and their mothers is compares, comparing the start of this Kings team <laughs> to the start of a Andy Murray-led team that finished probably like what two points out of the playoffs. Like, uh, in, oh in no, the... oh no, it was more than that. <laughs> oh, okay. They uh, they missed them playoffs, uh, and that was it, man. That was that was the start of the dark time. So yeah, um, I, I the middle the middle dark ages as we refer to. <laughs> yeah, I as soon as I heard that stat last night, my nose crinkled and I thought. Huh, that's it's an interesting. I mean, great two and O is look. If you are given the option of two and O, you take it. But uh, but it just goes to show you the season is long and full of terrors. Uh, and uh, and while we are thrilled about two and O, it does not necessarily uh, spell success. But um, let's talk you about missed that. A, you missed another notable debut in that two thousand two two thousand three uh, NHL team. Yeah. John Avery's first season uh, yeah, as an LA King. That's there were a bunch of trades. I think the Schneider got traded. They got a lot for Schneider, as I recall, including Sean Avery. Right? Didn't they get Avery and a first rounder and a couple other? Because off too, right? Like a yeah, that's, that sounds right. Um, God, I'm looking. I just pulled it up on Hockey Reference. I'm looking through some of these names. Man, we we should get patches for being Kings fans as long as we've been. No joke. Like. The... I mean, you know, this is where we put on the old man hat segment for a second. But l- listening to Kings fans who started rooting for the team within the last 10 seasons uh, m- complain about missing the playoffs <laughs> two out of the last three years after winning the Cup twice. Those 2002 to 2008, whoa, man, those were uh, those were not Jesse, fun days. Cristobal Huey's debut as an L.A. King was through that 2002-2003 season. One of my all-time favorite Kings, no question. He, I think and he, and one of your all-time favorite internet arguments that he should have won MVP, right? Or he should have. Yeah. yeah, in 2008. 
He absolutely should have. Alexander Ovechkin's first MVP a trophy is a joke to half. Or maybe it wasn't his first. I don't remember. Well, well <laughs> the one he's going to get this season will be pretty well deserved. Oh, we're going to get to that in a second. Uh, so, look, Andre Kopitar, everybody harps on him, the $10 million man, not enough goals last year, disappeared, was he hurt, wasn't he hurt, da-da-da-da-da. What a game from him last night, the half. Yes, yes, what a game from him. Um, I, look, I love the Dustin Brown goal. Uh, uh, Martin Jones uh, was playing his angles so poorly he broke his protractor. I don't know what the joke is there, but um, yeah, I mean, I think the team looked great, and 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 the Sharks did not look great. And I'm not saying this in a trolly uh, royal halfway where I love to troll the Sharks, but I think this <laughs> uh, this might be the first season that we see the true uh, downfall of the Sharks and them going into a rebuilding process. You know. Uh, especially when you see Patrick Marlowe's team 2-0 and uh, <laughs> in, in Toronto. Yeah, look, from your lips to the hockey gods' ears to half. Um, I the- mean, I, for one, would be shocked if a Peter DeBoer coach team in its third season fell apart <laughs> because that has never happened before in the history of ice hockey. There were so many moments during the game last night that I that I stopped and went, oh, yeah, that happened, uh, you know, whatever, in 2012, or, oh, yeah, that happened in 2014. I just, it's amazing how games against certain teams can flood you with memories of, of old moments. And watching DeBoer in the post-game interview, uh, yeah, the 2012 Stanley Cup final <laughs> came came rushing back. And he has, I mean, it's not his fault. There's nothing he can do about it. But he has... Um, resting i don't know what the word i'm looking for is uh dirt face his resting dirt face eh, that's maybe a little bit too like uh, sad he just, face he, he just he just always kind of looks like he doesn't know why he's there yeah yeah <laughs> or like over like he looks like the guy in a cartoon who who lost his umbrella and it just started raining and he's standing there like Moo, like it's like he's a living sad trombone I, I believe you're referring to Schleprock from the Flintstones. Is that what you're thinking of? <laughs> I mean, it's just, and like I said, there's nothing he can do about it. Um, this is just how he looks. Um, but yeah, I thought uh, I thought that was particularly enjoyable. But um, what do we think of Ayafalo, the the new winger for Andre Kopitar? Uh, 2002, 2003, Scott Barney's NHL debut. Oh, Lord. <laughs> um, uh, uh, look, Ayafalo him. Uh, <laughs> Across the river. I don't know what, what the joke uh, is. I think um, at Ryan, uh, uh, not dead, Ryan Dunn had a, uh, was it? Um, I follow um, you into the dark. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> it's not Modest Mouse, but it's, um, uh, I'm blanking on it right now, but there's uh, an indie rock band I think that's from. Um, I think you should play, uh, is it the Supremes? I will follow you. Um, maybe uh, as the uh, intro to this podcast, it's Death Cab for Cutie, and I think Death Cab for a, Cutie. That is a fantastic idea. We'll do just that. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think like like how old is I follow? Twenty three, I want to say. So, so here here's my issue a little bit. Like all I saw up and down King's Twitter and and non King's Twitter was, wow, I follow like for a rookie, he's really playing, he looks great. You know, for an undrafted call, I mean, he's what? Like you said, twenty three. Yeah, be twenty four in December. So, like, we're sitting here watching 18-year-olds score hat tricks on opening night, <laughs> right? And, and, like, we're amazed that a 23-year-old four-year college free agent is 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 able to keep up with the game. You know, it, it, it's crazy. And I think that that 
shows how there's been so many misses with these NHL college free agents, right? Like you think about the Kevin Hayes or Jimmy Hayes sweepstakes of a couple years ago. And, you know, every summer there seems to be that that high uh, priced college free agent that everyone's going after. But but this year it seems that Alex Iafalo kind of like snuck in and and he looks great out there. And and it's it's a winger that Kopitar is missing without a healthy Gabrick, a, a speedy. Uh, scoring winger. I did love in the Philadelphia game Drew Doughty really showing the rookie his place by uh, intercepting a open net goal that was going to Iofalo <laughs> and tipping it away from him. Just just kind of, you know, letting the rookie know uh, who's in charge here. <laughs> the uh, the uh, Nelson Emerson, again, spoke about Iofalo in a way that made him sound like a pure shooter uh, during the state of the franchise event he talked about standing behind him during practice and seeing him you know tee up a shot looking at the goalie and thinking to himself there's no way that goal goes in there's no room there's no space and and i follow being able to find the space and pulling off these amazing shots in a way that he, he referenced tyler Zavoli. um i haven't seen that from him so far what i've seen is passing i've seen him i mean we saw kopitar get robbed in that philly game i i see you know, ice awareness out of him, right? Like I see a, a winger who he's constantly using the open ice to his advantage. He's constantly, you know, even if he doesn't connect on a pass, he'll keep the play alive just by chipping the puck into back into the zone or out of harm's way, or, or he's just, you know, you said, as you said, he's 23, he's had four years of, of major collegiate hockey experience. So yeah, he is a more polished player than an 18 year old, but it's it's just nice to see, right? I mean, that, he, he reminds me more of Tanner Pearson, I guess, than Tyler Toffoli in that it's it's and it's keeping those plays alive, right? It, it's it's forcing the other two guys on your line to stay invested in a shift when they otherwise might be back checking already or or looking towards the bench for a change. Those are the sorts of things that I think are are uh contagious and those are the sorts of things that i think this team really has been missing and and the guys like uh justin williams were always super good at so no, and and let's not forget he's he's um born outside of buffalo new york in eden new york and it gives us another uh, excuse to use like a, a a flag of the u.s every time he uh he scores like we do with <laughs> brown and, and trevor lewis i mean he's he's the next in line for real american hero we could be looking at um uh, it ha- if there if there ever is an Olympics again with NHL players, this kid could be on Team USA. Uh, speaking of real American hero Trevor Lewis, uh, that line has two goals in two games already <laughs> so far, and at a at a pretty couple pretty good chances last game as well. Yeah, uh, against the Sharks. I mean, I look Trevor Lewis and and Nick Shore are even though Trevor Lewis had his highest uh, scoring year last year career year. The the rap on them is that they don't score, right? And and deservedly so, I suppose. But I think this year we're gonna see a significant bump in scoring from that line. I'm not gonna go crazy and say any of them are gonna score twenty goals, but Trevor Lewis, you know, has a goal already, and uh, I don't know who got credit for the goal that uh, that San Jose scored on themselves last night. I uh, sure did, I believe. Okay, but yeah, you're right. But it came it came with that line on the ice. And look, Nick Shore is third in uh, in scoring with two points already. So that's a tremendous line. Uh, obviously, the Kopitar line we've talked about. That 70s line looks like they have not missed a beat, the half. 
Yeah, no, I mean, the, the team looks great. Uh, I, I, let's temper expectations, right? I mean, it's it's two games in the season, uh, a game against the Flyers who were on the second night of a back-to-back, and and a game against, you know, a team that's looks like it's going to be at the bottom of the Pacific Division. Um, let's see when the Kings face a real divisional opponent like the undefeated Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> Let's 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 have the podcast after that game and let's talk about whether or not we think these kings are for real. Well, let's talk about whether or not we think the Vegas Golden Knights are real, because uh, both of those wins came in overtime, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Uh, Yeah, no, absolutely. So are the Vegas Golden Knights good? Question mark. (laughs) Like for reals? Because I don't think they are. Well, look, no, I don't think anyone in their right mind would think they're real. And there was a great, uh, Pierre Lebrun was kind of sharing a story on Twitter about um, the, the Ottawa Senators were the last team to win their, I think, their debut as, as a team in, in the league. And they had a um, uh, headline in the newspaper that said, um, Rome was built in a day. <laughs> and, and I guess an old uh, newspaper reporter and editor replied back to that and said, we actually, you know, we were expecting them to lose and the headline was going to be Rome wasn't built in a day. And we decided to have some fun with it when they won the first game. Um, I don't think it, it, you can go back and look at all the expansion teams uh, in NHL history. I don't think you've ever seen a team with a goalie this good on it. And, and there was some crazy stat in that first Vegas game where um, Flurry made something like 32 saves in 31 minutes of play. Yeah. Um, it, it's a, it's a it's a pace I don't think any Angel Golter will be able to sustain, but you know I think that was why we and I know you you love to make fun of Vegas and I'm waiting for your response, but you know that was why the price was so high. That was why there was such strict rules with the expansion draft compared to other years. They really wanted this team to be as competitive as possible. Now again, they played a Dallas Stars team where the, where they knocked out Ben Bishop. Uh, and, and Kerry Lutton came in, and then they played the Arizona Coyotes. So, again, <laughs> call, call me after they beat, you know, the undefeated L.A. Kings, and, and then we'll chat. Yeah, I mean, both goals, both game-winning goals coming off of James Neal's stick. As you said, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, I, I was thinking maybe um, the Florida Panthers goalie, whose name is is on the tip of Roberto my... Luongo. No, no, they, when they expanded in 90... Uh... Oh, Van Beesbrook. Van yeah, Beesbrook. thank you, Van Beesbrook. Yeah, I suppose an argument could be made that Van Beesbrook might be as good as Fleury, but certainly he wasn't as uh, as decorated or as accomplished. Uh, I, believe, <laughs> I believe Van Beesbrook hadn't won three Stanley Cups. No, well, no, this is, <laughs> this, this is what I'm acknowledging. So, But look, yeah, you, you, keep, you get a guy like Fleury to keep you in the game, and you get a guy like Neil to, to put you over the top in close games. I just, as you said, I don't know how many close games they're going to have. The Dallas Stars, or should we call them, once again, the Alice Stars, um, not known for defense or goaltending, and the Coyotes, I've heard... Depends uh, on, Jesse, are, are you calling them the Alice Stars because there's no D in Alice? That is exactly what I'm doing. Okay, uh, how, how long have you been sitting on that one? I mean, I feel like that's a pretty well-tread joke. <laughs> is that the same one where you complain about getting phone calls while seeing a movie? Is that uh, people still call same? me the half? I don't know what to tell you. I still like. I still enjoy getting a phone call. Uh, for, for people, I like, for... I like handwritten letters. I like going to the teller at the bank. I, I like Morse like code. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> uh, for people that don't know, Jesse made a joke last night about. Um, I didn't even know. The, it was such a stretch. I think I pulled a hamstring on that joke. But you, you said what? What was it? The refs were missing so many calls. They might as well be in a movie. 
Right, right. Well, I, again, they it's so a couple, cute. They it's so a cute. How, calls. It's so cute how people talk to Jesse on the phone. Like I said, I enjoy a handwritten letter. I enjoy phone calls. Uh, but um, now you've just thrown me off the point of this. <laughs> uh, anyway, Vegas. Let's hear your thoughts on Vegas. Oh yeah, Vegas is not going to be good. That's that's you know for five hundred million dollars uh, a Kingsman podcast exclusive. <laughs> well, look, they're two and zero, and there's a lot of crowing going on. So we've got the Sharks that are bad, uh, a Vegas team that is is uh, not good. Um, but there are a ton of teams that are off to strong starts, tons of hat tricks, tons of players that everybody's talking about. Connor McDavid's on pace for 286 goals, and Alexander Ovechkin sets a 100-year record. Uh, but, it- but wait, how, how great was that, though? Like, let's talk a little bit about that McDavid stuff, because, gra- granted, amazing debut, right? He, yeah. he Not not just the, the hat trick, but I don't know if everyone saw that breakaway goal that he had where, where uh, again, Canada's a weird country. He went like 40 kilometers. You're Canadian. How, how many miles per hour is that? Uh, <laughs> oh, I, you're only Canadian when it's convenient. I see. You don't even Absolutely. know how to make a kilometers to miles conversion off the top of your head. I have never, um, I've never contested that my Canadianness runs <laughs> ice deep. <laughs> um, but, you know, if you, if you check out that breakaway goal he had from, from the opening night, Connor McDavid, uh, just incredible speed. And then the way he kind of, uh, seamlessly cuts across the goalie and then lifts the puck up at an angle that I've never seen the the puck lifted up before. Um, just amazing. And, and every article, including like the the Athletic, right, which is supposed to be the non mainstream media news site, literally had a story comparing Gretzky's third season to Connor McDavid's third season and how Connor McDavid might actually be better than Gretzky in his third season. And then they go out and lose to the flames. In the- <laughs> <laughs> not only do they lose to the flames, I mean, not to get too deep into the fantasy weeds, but we have a little fantasy league going on. And I thought safe bet, take Connor McDavid every sorry, game. Sorry. The Canucks, not the flames. They lost to an even worse team. Uh, yes. A far, even worse far team than the flames. Uh, lost to the Connor McDavid somehow managed to be in the negative in the fantasy points column uh, for that game. So thanks. Thanks a ton. Uh, new Gretzky for helping me out uh, that day. That's what I mean. It's just like, like, yes, he had an amazing uh, opening night and already the narrative was being built about, you know, uh, this guy is going to be the best of all time. And then his team, you know, loses the Canucks. Meanwhile, poor little Alex Ovechkin is like, what do I got to do besides break a 100 year old record to, to get people to notice me by having back to back tricks to open up the, uh, the season. The thing is, everybody knows what Alexander Ovechkin has to do. He's (laughs) got to make it out of the second round of the playoffs. Oh, but the reason I the reason I brought up all the hat tricks um, is because I'm going to go ahead and contribute to that narrative that Connor McDavid might. I, look, I'm never going to argue that he's better than Gretzky. But one of the things that Gretzky did, uh, for better or for worse, was usher in an era of higher scoring, and he brought with him a ton of guys like Lemieux and Iserman and Messier, and, you know, all who scored. 500 600 goals in their career all you know you look at the hall of fame inductees for the next five seasons and you go back for the previous five seasons and it's all of the same guys um i don't know that steve eiserman would have scored as many points in a different era as he did in fact i'm fairly certain that he wouldn't have so you know the question is how much of the era was influenced by like a a guy like Gretzky and how much of it was just coincidence and can Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews and, and the rest of the young, you know, William, William Nylander and Patrick Lina and, and the rest of them. Are we on the, Alex, cost? Alex, I follow. 
Alex Iafalo. Uh is it possible that the that the introduction of Connor McDavid into the NHL might actually be boosting offense just by virtue of the fact that he's so uh so transcendental a talent? Um, I mean, I, I, again, I think we've talked about this podcast before. I think 18-year-olds are at a, a, a place in their development that they've never been before in terms of being bonafide NHL players out of the gate. And I'm not even talking about, like, top three picks, right? Like, you can go down the list from the last couple drafts and find players taking in later rounds that have, have become regulars in the NHL. So I just – I think it's overall the training is better. Mm-hmm. And the players themselves are better. You know, it's funny when you wanted to talk about this podcast, I did a little research. I remember at the beginning of the season, there was a little bit of a controversy because the goalies were supposed to have smaller chest protectors and they were going to custom make chest protectors for every single goalie. And I guess it got delayed and, and they didn't come. So they kind of scrapped it similar to last season when the all the all the goalies had to wear smaller pants and they didn't come until after the the deadline or after the, the um, all-star break. And a lot of goalies complained about that. So, so I, the point of this is I don't think it's because of smaller goalie equipment, maybe pants, but the goalies are still using the same goalie equipment they've, they've used the last couple seasons. And you've seen a ton of offense. And I, I just think, yes, Connor McDavid is this kind of, you know, once in a generational talent, but I think you're starting to see a little bit more of that populate throughout the league. I, I don't think it's like a shift in, in, in defense, you know, everyone's like, oh, we got to be like the Penguins and be like high flying scoring. Like, I think defense is still first in this league. And I think those first couple games are a bit of anomaly that you've seen, like the Toronto Rangers game last night was like eight five or something on Saturday night. So I, I don't think it's it's I think we're going to go back to seeing two, one, four, three, three, two games very, very soon. It, I, I'm, I'm torn on on which way I want it to go, because while I personally don't want to watch the Kings lose eight to five on any given night. Um, I'd much rather see them win two to one. Uh, it's also, you know, when they switched to three on three overtime, we all loved it for the first month or so. Right. It was fantastic. It was like, Oh my God, it's this whole new way of watching the game. And then slowly the coaches figured out a way to, to slow it down, strip it of its excitement. And only teams like the Kings somehow managed to keep consistently winning in the format. So you have this crop of young players where it seems like every team that had previously been bad for a few years suddenly has one of these <clears throat> one of these players that, you know, you could imagine a new pantheon of 80s-esque guys, you know, like we mentioned before, Matthews and Nylander and, and McDavid and Dreisaitl and, you know, Goudreau and, and Line and, and Eichel and the list goes on and on. Um, but I just feel like you're right that the coaching won't allow it's just there's too much money at stake, both personally and on a franchise level. Um, it just won't allow for the league to enter into a new era of scoring like that. And and that's why it always frustrates me when they inter- implement these rule changes to try and spur more scoring. And it's they don't seem to understand that that the incentive of the league is set up to stifle scoring. And until that changes, um, I think you're right to have, but, uh, but hopefully the Kings are one of the anomaly, uh, one of the anomalies. And, and we do get to see a couple eight, <laughs> eight goal outputs from this Kings team. Uh, that's going to bring us to the fourth line. We didn't talk about them earlier, but Kempe Camilleri and Brodzinski in game one and Dowd in game two. 
Um, what do we think of this line, the half, and what do we think of its role as sort of the only element of the Kings team that's significantly different this year? With with that line? Yeah, because, I mean, we've, we've seen that 70s line. We know what Kopitar, Brown, and, a, and question mark winger can do. Shore, Clifford, and Lewis are Shore, Clifford, and Lewis. And the defense is, you know, there's none, none of the new defensemen are, are Brent Burns or Eric Carlson. So the only real different element to me of this team is that third line. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you're asking. Well, well, I just mean in terms of they're young. Well, except for Camilleri, but but Kempe is young. Kempe is fast. Brodzinski is young and fast. Dowd is not young. He's 27 or 28 now. But that line plays with a sort of reckless abandon and a sort of defensive, um, uh, not caring. I don't know how to phrase that. Um, you know, they don't. That line doesn't seem to have a conscience. And after. You know they have, um, they have no chill. Yeah, well, well, however many years of Daryl Sutter, you know, hockey. I get what you're saying now. So yes, that third line was used very situationally under Daryl Sutter, and you're saying it's being not used as much under John Stevens. Well, it's just it's just not it's just not your grandpa's uh, Kings hockey, as you <laughs> as you said on Twitter. <laughs> you know, they're flying all over the place. They're trading chances. Their goal seems to be to score less than it is to stop the other team. And it seems like this whole franchise was geared in, you know, 180 degrees the other way for the last seven years. Um, And I'm just wondering, like, because it feels to me like this line is an effort to mimic what the rest of the league is moving towards or everybody seems to think it's moving towards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, uh, understandably. Yeah, I mean, and I think seeing Dowd switched in for for this game kind of made a difference to not have two rookies on that line mm-hmm. um very curious to see Kemp, Kempe and and his progression um because he is still young and, and a third line center has been such a power shutdown position in this league um and I'm kind of excited that Stevens is still giving him a shot at center where Sutter kind of was immediately moving him to the wing uh last season so um yeah cur- curious curious to see that and, and if the Kings could have a a a solid fourth line like they have with Clifford Lewis and, and, and shore. And that can be the line they sent out in defensive situations. I'm all bored having three offensive lines. Are you kidding? Been waiting 25 years to have three offensive lines <laughs> on a, on a team that I follow. I'm just, I, I just, I'm not, I'm still not sure that all of the rhetoric that we've been hearing about the team, they're the league moving towards, you know, speed and, and more offense and, you know, defensemen like Matt Green don't have a place in this league anymore and that sort of thing. I still don't believe that it's true. Um, and so I found myself watching, you know, some of the shifts that that line would take and, and watching some of the game and thinking to myself, just as a thought experiment, and you're going to hate me for saying this, um, but what would that line look like if it were uh, King, Nolan, and you know, Dowd at center as a, you know, and if they were just playing that regular shift, not as good or, or, or would it be the half? (laughs) I mean, that's what I sort of, I mean, look, they're two and oh, and they've only allowed one goal in two games. So I can't harp too. I can't harp too much 
<laughs> the defensive prowess of this game. But let's talk about the defense real quick. What do we think of uh, of Kevin McDermott, Christian Foline, and Oscar Fantenberg? Um, I I think they're great. You know, I think McDermott is is like become a fan favorite <laughs> in yeah. like thirty six hours. Kids mean, right? huh? Yeah, and 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 people love it. And I think you know Foline and Fantenberg have have looked great. We 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 found out from friend of the podcast Patrick O'Neill that uh, as I correctly predicted. <laughs> I was I was ahead of it than any other LA Kings blogger. Uh, Fandenberg's nickname is Fanta. Mm-hmm. Um, the LA Kings account seems to be confused that that's a mid '90s reference, where it's easily an early 2000s reference. And anyone that was born in this country and knows pop culture would understand uh, that that reference. But uh, yeah, no, I th- I, I think it, 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 there's a lot of rookies on this team. There, there was an LA Times article I was reading the other day about just you know the impact of of rookies, and someone had asked John Stevens. If you had this many rookies on a t- on a team, you know, before, and he said, "I've had a lot of rookies. I just don't know if I've had them all at once like this um, before." And it's it's exciting, and and um, especially especially again for a lot of these guys, were obviously McDermott's kind of come up through the system, but Iafalo and and Fandenberg, um were kind of the scouting department, right? The scouting department, yeah, only 100%. found them, found those guys, and I'm sure Fullen was a, was uh, scouted as well, but had played for another NHL team, so. Um, it's it's exciting. It's exciting to see his new blood. It's also exciting to know that Alec Martinez's injury is not significant, and he should be back soon. And now you're kind of back to where this team, you know, was pre, you know, the Slava Voinov leaving the team was was having great D that were healthy scratches as well. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's nice to 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 have rebuilt that kind of D cabinet uh, so quickly. And looking at the roster. D cabinet was not the right choice of words. <laughs> I was going to let that one. I was going to yeah, let that D- one. D cabinet is not the right fly, choice. Right by. <laughs> Looking at the roster, though, Alec Martinez is the oldest member of the blue line. And you know, you wait, look, wait, look, wait, wait, for real? Yeah, that's got to be fake news. Now, that is a hundred percent bona fide, genuine, real news. The half. Um, and you look back at years when the Kings uh, were, you know, one of the most successful teams in the league. They had Willie Mitchell, they had Robin Regeer, they had Rob Scuderi, they had veteran players well into their 30s. As I said, Alec Martinez, the oldest member of the blue line, I think just at 30. Uh, I believe he will turn 31 next summer. Um, That's pretty good, the half. Um, For a team that's been trying to get younger, that's a pretty, uh, pretty bold move in the right direction. Um, Camilleri currently the oldest active player at 35 and then you've got Carter Brown at 32 quick at 31 and the rest of the team on the right side of 30 and uh, if guys like Kempe and, and Brodzinski and Ayafalo can and McDermott and etc can can claim regular spots and keep contributing to winning then we've seen this team do what every what everybody praises all these other teams for doing which is not a rebuild but a retool um and and they've done it while keeping a core. I know you hate the word the core, but <laughs> but they've done it while maintaining the core. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, look, two and zero, as we said earlier, is not a guarantee of success in the season. But I mean, could as, as somebody said, it might have even been you. If you told me that after two games the Kings would be tied with the Vegas Golden Knights, I'd have assumed that we started zero and two. <laughs> So I apologize, whoever made that joke that I'm not correctly attributing, but uh, pretty good start. The half, pretty pretty.
pretty pretty good. So better start than uh, <laughs> better start than Kirby enthusiasm. <laughs> it's it's a better start than losing your All Star League goalie after the first yes, period. That yeah. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd <laughs> say we're at a better start. I, I mean, we kind of have, um, you know, I, I kind of like to pretend that the last fifteen games of uh, last season didn't happen, and I'd like to imagine that John Quick went from, you know, being injured in the first game of the season to having a shutout against the Flyers in his return <laughs> to NHL action. I think we do forget that Quick kind of did come back for those last 15 games and wasn't his normal self. But I mean, uh, I don't know if you've seen it differently than me the last two games, but Quick has looked lights out, like just like yeah. lights out. No, I mean, I, I keep repeating this on the podcast, but it, but it keeps happening on social media. I'm eventually going to have to stop doing it. But announcement, when I reference the question, is Jonathan Quick elite? I am kidding, everybody. Jonathan Quick is clearly one of the best goaltenders in the National Hockey League and potentially one of the best goaltenders of our generation. I mean, I was watching highlights of the 2012 Stanley Cup run last night because that's how I spend my free time. Um, but the guy's amazing. And you're right. He has He has been the unquestioned best player so far in these two games. He looks fantastic. Um, even when he looks like he's fighting the puck a little bit, he still manages to to look unbeatable at times. And look, he's only allowed one goal through two games. Um, now, admittedly, as you said, Philly on the you know second night of back-to-backs and a San Jose Sharks team that's aging and struggling to score now that Joe Thornton has gotten older. Um, but still, <clears throat> you can only play who they put in front of you. And uh, yeah, what a difference uh, it makes having having Jonathan Quick's coach Stevens referenced it not only on the ice, but in the locker room. I mean, one of my favorite things about Jonathan Quick has always been in a game where he plays incredibly, they'll ask him about it and he'll say, well, you know, it's a team effort. I just go out there and do what I'm supposed to do. And, you know, I make the stops and the team looks great in front of me. And then on nights where he plays awesome, but the team loses for whatever reason, they ask him about it. He'll say, oh, well, you know, I need to be better. I need to make those stops. I didn't make it. You know, when, when, the, when there's not success, it's his fault. And when there is success, it, he he praises everybody else and that's the sort of person i i think that you would want to have in your in your locker room and and at your side through through important moments so i mean i like i jonathan quick's probably one of my three favorite kings of all time so who are the other two jesse who are the other two uh luke robitaille <laughs> no, okay. no okay. who's the third who's the third it's a tie between bob kudelski and drew dowdy <laughs> um those words have never been spoken in the English language. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. But here do, we are. Do you yeah. really like Bob Kudelski or do you just like Bob Kudelski's name? Uh, no, I really like Bob Kudelski. Now, it's 100% a, a function of nostalgia and where I was in my life when Bob Kudelski was good and the fact that he wound up on the Ottawa Senators. Um, but I still like Bob Kudelski. <laughs> long pause for bob kudelski oh man all right they have i think uh i think we're gonna wrap it up on that bob kudelski note unless there's anything else you want to to, to tackle i just want to share with I'll, I'll tweet this out as well but i just want to share with the listening audience while jesse was going on about what our third line would look like with dwight king and, and jordan nolan mm. um tom iafalo uh, father of uh, alex mm-hmm. uh i just found his twitter feed and it's literally just retweets of mentions of his son or daughter who plays for Ohio State um, on Twitter. Like like of articles they've been in or tweets that mention that. I mean, it's literally 
like as a father myself, it's like making me ball because it's just <laughs> it's just him retweeting articles about his kids being amazing uh, hockey players. Man, that's what but that is what parents should <laughs> should spend all of their time on social media doing. I am fine with that. There's not one political retweet. There's not one like <laughs> like meme retweet. It's just here are my kids that are awesome hockey players and follow me to to get all of their coverage. Of <laughs> well, hopefully, uh, hopefully, he'll have lots and lots and lots of articles to uh, to retweet this season. Daph, thanks for joining me. Always a pleasure, Jesse. And uh, thanks for listening, King Sans. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>